What's going on, Eastern Hills? My name is Kyle Davis, and like Rob said, I'm not one of the pastors on staff here at Eastern Hills, but I am excited to be here with you guys for two reasons, really. The first is that even though I pastored a church in Utah across the country, I was born in Syracuse. I was born at Cross Hospital, so even though I'm not part of this church, I am happy to say that I'm one of you. I spent a lot of years running around up here, so I love this area and I love these people. The second reason that I'm excited to be here today is that my family gets to serve at this church. If you've been at one of our physical locations, you've seen that, you know, my little sister leads in worship a lot of times, or you might have seen my parents who are some of the greeters and ushers here. And so for me, it is extremely exciting to be a family that serves the church and serves the same church at the same time. So I am extremely excited to be here, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to speak with you this morning. And so that makes me happy, but I want to ask you a question. What makes you happy? Better yet, what makes you joyful? Today, we are starting a series, a survey through the book of Philippians. It's four weeks, and it's all about joy, and more specifically, how the Apostle Paul's life was a demonstration of what Jesus thought joy should look like. And throughout each series, we try to have one big idea, one main theme that everything we talk about connects to. And our series thesis is this. When we pursue the joy of others— it increases the joy in us. Now, if you've got your Bibles handy, or maybe you've got the Bible app on your phone, we're going to be in Philippians 1, so you can turn there if you want. If not, they're going to be on the words down below on the screen. But while you're getting there, I want to talk to you a little bit about this book. You see, this Philippians is not just a book that was written to be on a shelf. It's actually a letter, a letter to a church in a city called Philippi, the eastern hills of Philippi. And it was all about how they need to pursue joy. But like a lot of Paul's letter, the author of this letter, Paul's letters, it was written while he was in in prison. At this time, he was imprisoned in Rome for his outspoken ministry for Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's easy to say he was in prison, but I brought a little something along because a lot of us, and myself included, are, are visual learners or auditory learners. And so it's easy to say he was in prison. But I want you to hear it. I got these heavy chains because this is what would have been around Paul's ankles and wrists as he's writing this letter. And I don't know if you can hear it, but the weight of these chains weighed down every word that Paul wrote in this letter. And more than just the physical chains that weighed him down, there's probably some emotional and spiritual stuff that weighed him down as well. Uh, it might have been the responsibility of this church, this church that he planted in Philippi, that they're, they're without his leadership. And so he's got to write this letter. It's weighing him down. Or, or maybe even the weight that he might die. At any given moment, a jailer might come through those cell doors and say, hey, hey Paul, today's the day. So I want you to keep that in mind. The weight of what he's writing. We're going to be in verse 12 starting off. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of all, brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach the gospel from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. And the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? 
only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I will rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. When I first got up here, I asked what made you happy. And now I want to add a condition to that. Is what makes you happy affected by your circumstances? Because if it is, if what happens around you can affect your happiness, then your happiness isn't joy. Those are two totally different things. Joy is happiness unaffected by circumstances. Paul has joy. He is able to rejoice because his identity is in Christ. And that does not change regardless of the circumstances around him. Let me look at how he talks about the gospel, that there might be people preaching it to hurt him and afflict him in his imprisonment, or that they're doing it from envy or from rivalry. But in all ways, he is happy because Christ is proclaimed. His situation does not affect his identity. And that's why he remains joyful. Which brings us to the first key truth I hope that we take away here today. And that's that what we put our identity in determines our joy. Now your identity is what you hold most dear. It's the largest part of your self-description. It might not be the only part, um, but it is the largest part. If you want to find out what your identity is, fill in, this, fill in this blank. My name is blank, and I am a, a what? My name is Kyle Davis, and I am a, a pastor, a, a father, a husband. Those are identities that I hold. Not the only ones that I hold. Obviously, I'm a son or a brother, but those are some of the bigger ones. And if, you really, really, if you're feeling really bold, have someone you know who's close to you fill in that blank for you. My name is blank. And I am a, have them fill in that second part. You'll see what your identity is. But something I've noticed, and a lot of people, Americans especially, what we hold our identity in becomes something that we get enslaved to. Even the good things, what we hold our identity in enslaves us. You know, for a lot of guys, our identity is in our work. We work and we toil and we provide, and that's where our identity is. We are employees, we're workers. But, and that's good, that's good, but what happens if that job goes away? What happens if you get fired or, or maybe you quit because of some other difficulty going on? Would you still be whole? Would your identity still be the same? Could you still fill in that blank the same way? For some other people, it's to love and be loved by others, that they want to feel complete. I love him, and she loves me, and, and that we have this great relationship together. But, but what if they cheat on you? Or what if they leave you? Or what if they die? Is that blank still the same? Is your identity, who you are, still the same? And for a lot of people, oh, for a lot, a lot, a lot of people, our identity is in church. It's not in Jesus, it's in church. That 
I want the music preached my or the music at my volume. I want the message preached my way. I want my small group to be my friends. I want things to be how I like them. What if the church changes? What if the way it was isn't the way the gospel needs to be preached to get to the next generation? What if your pastor challenges you and says things that, man, you don't like? Would your identity still be the same? Could you still find joy in the church? And the thing about identities, as I'm holding all of these chains, is they end up weighing us down. They end up holding us back and being a weight on our shoulder and being a burden we were never, ever meant to carry. Because our identity shouldn't be in things. It should be in someone. You see, the thing about being a thing or an employee or a father or a husband, it's dependent on what you do. You have to do more, have more, be more, get more. And that's the way our world kind of talks about things. And that's why I think so many people struggle with mental health issues or with depression or anxiety, things like that, is because their identity is wrapped up in something they have to accomplish. They have to keep doing more. But there is another option. And that option is Jesus. Jesus invites us to give our identities to him. He gives us a way out of this never-ending rat race, this battle that we have to keep doing more and being more, that you have to work harder to be a good employee. You have to keep spending time this way to be considered a good community member. You have to volunteer in this way to be a good church member. You have to do these things. But Jesus says, if you are in me, that's it. That's the complete package. You can give all your identities, whether it's a father or a husband or employee, you can give all of those little identities to him, to one big idea that you are in Christ and that's it. It's like the, the closing sales at Sears, like everything must go. Your every identity you hold dear to you can be put under the banner of Christ. In another one of Paul's letters, he says this, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Give everything to God. And you can't lose it by the circumstances that shift around you. That you aren't a Jew or a Gentile or slave or free or a father or a husband or an employee or a pastor. You're only in Jesus. And that's all there is. Paul was so adamant about this idea, this concept of freedom in Christ, that he used the phrase in Christ or in God 160 times in all of his letters. 160 times he's saying, don't, don't put your identity in your work or your, your things you can do. Put it in Jesus. Give your life to him because in him, in him is freedom from these chains that have been weighing you down. Because ultimately, Jesus is the only one who came to seek and save the lost, who came to seek and save the tired and the weary and those who don't feel valued 
or those who don't feel loved, or maybe those who don't feel alone, or who feel alone. Whatever baggage you have from your identity, Jesus came to save you from that. And that brings us to our third key truth today, and that's that therefore, our joy is unattached to this world. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can have joy. Our circumstances can shift around us and it does not matter because our joy is in what he has already done. And it's not that we, you know, remove these chains and now they're sitting on the ground beside me. It's that we can put them away. These chains that might still be around you, these identities that might still tempt you to put your faith in them, you can put those away. You can look away from those things. You can turn away from those things. You might be an employee who's stuck in a job that, you know, feel, you feel like there's, it's a dead end. There's no way of, of turning around from that. You can put your identity in Jesus and know that whether your job changes, your title changes, or your career changes, or maybe your career ends, you are still loved. You can take that identity as someone in a relationship with someone else, a spouse or a significant other, and whether they cheat on you or lie to you or maybe they hurt you in ways that you never thought possible, you can still be the same. You can extend forgiveness and give them grace and love them because Jesus loved you first. And when church is messy, and believe me, it is messy, it's full of people that don't represent Christ well. It's also full of people who do. And regardless of where they are, you can love them. You can say yes to your church, your local church, because of your identity in Christ. That even though the church might be messy, and you are too, you can still serve. You can still be in groups. You can still help the gospel go further and give joy to other people. This is how Paul writes, to live as Christ and to die as gain. His identity is in Jesus, and therefore he has the ability to be joyful, which if, if I can be honest with you guys, I really, really struggle with that. Because Paul, when he planted this church in Philippi, he was scourged and put in stocks. Planting the church was rough. He got injured physically. And now he's writing this letter. They're kind of going astray. He's writing this letter to say, hey, keep going, have joy, pursue God. But he's in prison. And if you've read some of the other letters, he's been shipwrecked, beaten, imprisoned. He's, he's kind of had the gamut run on him. He had every right to feel discouraged. But he didn't. He still had joy in Christ, which, which I struggle with. If I'm honest, I, I really struggle with because I, I haven't had half of those things that Paul had happened to him. They haven't happened to me. But I still struggle putting my identity in, in things I do in other places outside of Jesus. Like I said, I'm a pastor, and sometimes, you know, things go wrong in church. Church is messy. My initial reaction, the first thing I want to do is to work harder, work longer, work faster, work better, so that the church can, can be flourished, can, people can have a place to belong. But that's in what I do. Even though the church will be a better, in a better spot because of me working harder and trying to do the best of my abilities. My identity shouldn't be in that job. I struggle with that. And so I think that's something we all struggle with. So together, you, me, 
we join with Paul as we try to put our identity in Jesus every day. Every day is a new chance to choose God or to choose another way. And so, I think it's hard. The reason it's hard is because we've got these two competing ideas in our head, right? I've got the one idea that says, I can control this, and therefore I should put my identity in that. And the other that says, I can't control this, but that's where Jesus is. Those two competing ideas are why we struggle. Or it's, our, it's our conflicting idea that I should put my identity in one place because I can control it, and I should put the identity in the other because that's where Jesus is. And the battle is to give up control and to put faith. To put faith in what Jesus said. Because ultimately, ultimately our faith really isn't about us. It's about others. I used to think that getting saved or becoming a Christian was having a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that was it. That's all it was. And that's true. That is part of it. You do get a personal Lord and Savior, someone you're in a relationship with. But, but you're not so much a cup to be filled as a pipeline to flow through. That Jesus says to love God, then love others. There is no situation where your faith, your belief system is unaffecting other people. You are always working your way out from that system. And so I want to read a few verses and give us two, two challenges. These verses are from 2 Corinthians, and it's the reason why I think and Paul thought and Jesus thought that Christians ought to be in the world doing things, giving joy and being joy, joyful, so that other people can see that joy and recognize that it is Jesus that brings it. And so, like I said, these are from 2 Corinthians, and it says, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, to, to love God. We try to persuade others. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is why we need to be in our communities with other people. Because we've been convinced that our identity in Christ is going to give us joy, is going to bring us joy. Therefore, we go into the world, we go into these restaurants, into our homes, into our teams, into our wherevers, and we are joyful so that others can recognize that joy and we can point to Christ. Because God reconciled, he brought together, he reconciled us to him. He saved us. Therefore, we reconcile for others. We can go and be like Jesus for other people. And so I've got two challenges for us. If you're a Christian, this first one is for you. Give joy to one person and share that story with someone else. Give joy to one person. Go, go tip your waitress an extra 30% or you know, say a kind word to your spouse. Be joyful in someone else's world so that you can point to Christ. Just one person today. I'm not saying go save all of Syracuse or go, you know, alter your world. Go sell your, go sell your house and move to India. No, none of that. Just give joy to one person. Be joyful 
and point to Jesus. And then share that story with someone else. Encourage each other. Hey, this is what I did today. Or hey, but like when you're on the golf course, hey buddy, this is what I told my wife today and it really encouraged her, it loved her. Whatever it is, share the story with someone else. It's not, you know, you're not being arrogant or bragging. You are encouraging other people to, to do what God had commanded all, us, to all of us to do, to go and reconcile. We're sharing the victory, sharing the wins with other people. And the second challenge, if you're, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christ follower, if you wouldn't say, yeah, I've given my life to Jesus, think about it. Think about putting your identity in Jesus. Think about where you may have put your identity for years as an athlete or as a student or as a husband or a worker or whatever. And think about all the places that that's let you down, that you felt anxiety because you're not meeting a deadline or maybe you felt depressed because you were failing as a father or a husband or whatever. Think about all the things that you had to work, do, and be for those identities and consider Jesus who invited you through his death and resurrection as a free gift to say, hey, put your faith in me and you will never be anything other than a child of God. You will be only in me and I will be in you. And so I'm gonna pray and dismiss us. Dear God, thank you for giving Jesus so that we can come to you. You didn't have to do it, but you wanted to do it because of your great love for us, that while we were still against you and hating you, you unyieldingly loved us. Help us to put our identity away in work or in life or in whatever, whatever it is we've been trying to do and keep control of, help us to put that away, to kill the old self and to to put our identity only in you. Every day, help us to love you and love others better. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Thanks again.